VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to The Ruck. This is a Slot and Jones special. The reason being all the other journalists have gone to bed. Lightweights. Jonesy, alas, Lawton Jones. Or is it a case of alas, England? Yeah, very much so. Um, we just come down from Bloemfontein to Durban uh, on the semi-high veld. And uh, it was grim. I mean, if you're an English rugby fan, uh, the, the atmosphere was grim up there. Not too good before the game or during the game. But after the game, I think fans and the team themselves and the management and the media are very, very downcast because uh, they're on a really bad run. And actually, the second test, they were way inferior to the first test it's, it's it's going downhill at the moment so for me quite clearly this is the lowest um ebb of england since that um world cup disaster uh, in 2015 no, i mean it, it it feels to me a bit like that so someone um, pointed out that it felt a bit like uh clive woodward's lines in 2005 when you're away on the trip and you can see it sliding away and you don't feel there's any way of getting it back no, they're very true. The thing is with the Lions, it's very, very difficult, and it's a totally different thing. I mean, even the three test series against South Africa, when there's no um, there's no jet lag, there's no time difference, and there's just three games, no midweek, it, it is much easier than the Lions to, although the way the box are playing, nothing's easy about it. But actually, um, they, they've lost 2-0, never looked like winning either game, in my opinion, and now you've got this rather, not silly, but you've got this sort of consolation prize, which is not really a con- consolation price coming up and for all their hopes that they were going to win the Six Nations they were going to win in Australia, win in South Africa then they were going to steam through and be number one in the world to the World Cup really that's all gone by the board now and they're scrabbling to get any sort of respectability at all. This podcast has started on a bit of a negative what have, we, have we missed the fact that John Spencer bought us a bottle of wine last night the, the RFU president? Well he probably charged it it has started on a big, bit of a negative, but in terms of our careers, don't forget, recently for the first time ever, I've written for The Times, The Thunderer, and you've written for The Sunday Times. And neither of us have ever done that before, and I consider it a, a great honour to have you in my paper, and to be in your paper. Well, apparently sales of The Sunday Times were, were, were flying through the roof today on the back of this new byline, um, but I didn't get a picture like you did in The Times. Well, they wouldn't put your picture in, would they? But um, no, it's it's... <laughs> The other thing is, do we get any money, more money for that, or is it still the same? I like where you're going with this conversation. That's one of those questions that you ask when you know the answer, isn't it? You said that there was really very little to take from England uh, and all the promises that Eddie had made and the hopes that England had for the building of this team uh, seemed to be evaporating before our eyes. Um, question I get asked a lot is, is it gone? Is, 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 the, is the World Cup vanishing uh, as we watch this team imploding 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it, unless they change direction in a massive way, and by that I mean Eddie especially, it's you can forget the World Cup. They've really got to say um, uh, to themselves, guys, we, we, we started off well in the Eddie Jones era, then it started going horribly wrong, and now we're really at the bottom, and they've got to take steps to, to, to almost start again. And, and I think that the, the autumn is a new start. I think Eddie, first of all, or to cut the number of people he keeps on choosing, just have a, a tight squad, much older squad, much more experienced squad, much bigger squad, much more physical squad. Stop mucking around with all these kids that he keeps on drafting in from the under-20s and, and, and start off by there with a serious squad, bearing in mind that the World Cup's always won by experienced teams. And 03, for instance, we keep on going back to, was a massively experienced team with about 12 leaders in 15 positions. That is what he's got to aim at. Now, I, I just said in the paper this morning, sorry, yesterday morning, it'll be by the time our uh, darling uh, listeners are listening to this, Eddie's got to change himself. He's got too um, uptight. He's got too affected. He's not, he's not looking after discipline. He is having far too many sessions. He is fretting too much. He's bringing in too many gurus like the, the brain professor. He's now on his third attack coach, I think. He'll be bringing in his new um, farming coach next. So then his toenail correspondent. There are too many people involved in it. Calm down, Eddie. Go to bed. Have a nice sleep. And let's prepare this team properly. Steve, I, I read your piece that you, to which you're referring, and I, and I thought it was bang on, a, apart from one point. Uh, all your suggestions were irrelevant because Eddie won't change. They, they, this is the problem with the man, and, and I think that's why the spiral uh, is so hard to get out of, because he spends all hours of the day, he gets up at four in the morning or whatever, trying to work out what's wrong with everything else, and he, and he does not look in the mirror uh, to see what he sees there. He's got this guy, Neil Craig. Have you seen this guy? No. He, he's the, he's um, an, an Australian, like uh, most of his uh, staff are. He's a hugely decorated coach from the AFL Aussie Football League, Aussie Rules, and he's been brought in, paid lots of money, no doubt, to watch Eddie and tell Eddie how he could be improving. And pretty much since the day that he's been here, it's been going wrong. Doesn't that strike you as rather bonkers, Owen? Yeah, yeah, but but it, it, it's kind of, it, it's it fits in with what you say. I mean, where's the toenail correspondent? Where's the, you know, where's the farming correspondent? It, all this stuff is going on and, and they're making the whole business of creating a world-beating rugby team so complicated where what England need at the moment is simplification. To I totally agree. But doesn't it strike you as well that when you're bringing in all these people, they're sort of almost crutches for you to, for you to, for you to keep yourself up on. I mean, it strikes me that with all these people coming in, Eddie is not nearly as self-confident as we think he is, and he would like to have us, have us believe. And, you know, when you say he doesn't change... Coaching, surely the art of coaching is when it's going wrong, you've got to change. You can't keep on saying, well, I've done this since 1981 and I'm going to do the same again. And, and look, the players, in my mind, are definitely going out with their heads full of, of rubbish and clutter. They're not focused. They, their morale is not very good, even though they individually they try hard. And Eddie's got to change. Now, I said in the paper that Eddie is still the man to do it. But if he doesn't change, I'm afraid by the time we come to the autumn people are going to start changing their minds because they can't have a bad, bad autumn. If they do, then he's really struggling. I agree with you on the Eddie front, but the quality of the England team, if you get the best England team out there, I'm still of the opinion that they are top four in the world easy, 
probably or arguably the second best team in the world. Uh, whether they could beat the, the All Blacks here in, in a World Cup final, that's another matter altogether. So I still think that England have the quality. You could put together a team that could challenge. Slotty, you and I usually see eye to eye. I totally disagree with that. <laughs> it seems like you're, you're buying into this ludicrous excuse that Eddie says that, oh, don't forget, we've got 26 players at home. And everyone's trying to think who the players are who are going to come into this team. No, so, I, so, I'm, so, not, so, I'm not thinking so you, that. No, OK, well, you, you name the players that are going to make the team that is fifth in the, in the Tri-Nations, and he's, sorry, fifth in the Six Nations, and is probably going to go down 3-0 to South Africa. Name me the players that are going to make them second best in the world. Well, I'll start off with the fact that the bulk of the Lions team that drew with the All Blacks were English. Mako, Jamie George, Marrow, you would have had Billy in there if he'd been fit. Owen Farrell and Elliot Daly, that's six, before you've even started. Ben Youngs was invited on that tour, probably luckily didn't go. But that's just your start. All those players you just mentioned have been in the team which collapsed in the last two, two weekends. They, they, they didn't happen for them. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much my point. That these were players who performed for the Lions, and uh, less than a month ago, most of the players I just named performed brilliantly for Saracens. We came here to South Africa thinking, wow, these Saracens players are on cracking form, but they come into the England setup and they play worse. Now, that's a failure of coaching. Uh, totally. Sorry, I, I do apologise. I, I see exactly what you mean, and it's frightening because, you know, uh, as you say, the, these guys in the Saracens jersey, and also some of the other club players like. Elliot Daly in, 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 in the Wasp jersey. It's just absolutely sensational. And, you know, yet for the third season in a row, the best team in England, including the national team, has undoubtedly been Saracens. And it, it is frightening. And I think, it's, I think it's Eddie feeding far too much information. Now, you know, when we go and see Saracens play and when we listen to Mark McCall afterwards, he's very terse, he doesn't give much away, he's incredibly focused... People clearly love playing for them. They really love coaching in the group. They really love Saris. They go all over the world with them and they love what they're doing. I don't get the impression at the moment that any of this England team is enjoying it. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so Steve, England are 2-0 down. As you say, there's a consolation prize to be won out there. I think it's a bit more than a consolation prize because if you're going back to England on 3-0 down, uh, six test defeats in a row, then, then the cycle appears to perpetuate. If they come back with a little bit of a spring in their step, then... It's not, it's not so bad, clearly. 
what changes would you make for the for the third test? Let's go straight for, straight for the juggler number ten. Do you stick with George Ford? No, of course you don't. Everybody knows who the number ten should be, and I would hope that Eddie Jones promised Danny Cipriani a, a, a test before he, before they left the shores. I definitely. I mean, Ben Youngs was really in a poor way at the end, and and I think George. Under all that pressure, I think he caved in a bit. I think it's got to be Danny Cipriani and Dan Robson. They deserve the chance. England have got nothing to lose. I'd also give Alice Lazowski a go in the centre, uh, outside um, Owen Farrell. I don't think that um, uh, Henry Slade's done badly at all, but I think they just give Lazowski a go. I would also, you've got to beef up this pack. You have to. I carry Williams to start on the tight head and, and uh, Maru Itoji, I'm sorry, but I would put Marrow in the back row. They've got to bulk up this pack. And I put Johnny Hill, who, who's a big and a clever lad, I put him in the second row with Joe Launchbury. I'm sorry, Brad Shields didn't do it for me. I thought he was ponderous. Uh, so at least you get some sort of beef there. Nathan Hughes for Billy Vanapola at number eight. And poor old Billy's off out again. But there's not much room for manoeuvre. But you need an extra big man in the pack. And it's time that Danny was given the baton to conduct the orchestra. I'm completely and utterly agreeing with you on the on the Danny front and on Dan Robson. But has Eddie not created a, a big problem for himself here? As in, if it works, if, if it works and... Danny Cipriani gives us uncontroversial, incontroversible evidence that he is the man, then one, Eddie looks foolish because he's missed out. He spent two and a half years backing the wrong man. Two, he then has a, the, the big decision, do I carry on with him from here on in or do I go back to, to what I've known and loved all that time? He's creating a rod for his back. Uh, a big coach has to do that nevertheless, surely. Yeah, of course he does. But, I mean, he's made so many rods for his back, he can't have any back left. I mean, he's made rods for his back with selection, preparation and, and everything. And the question is, you know, George, George Ford is by no means a bad player, but I think that, you know, Danny deserves the chance. Now, I'm afraid if you put someone in and you're, you're afraid of them playing well because it makes you look like a fool, well, you're a double fool. I mean, all Eddie wants to do, surely, is to make... It, England win this game and give them a spot of, of spark and electricity with Danny. If it comes off brilliantly, he can throw his up, up his hands and say, well, maybe I didn't get it wrong all that time, but Danny's now the man and, and off you go. You know, if you, what you're saying is, and I know exactly why you're saying it, you know, it looks embarrassing if you, 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 you change your team after all this time, but he's got to do it with Rob Shaw, he's got to do it with Ben Youngs, he's got to do it with Mike Brown, so it's just one of those things. Okay, can we can we try and put England's problems in, into context? Uh, as when we arrived here, England were were a team that that had some stature, albeit that it was crumbling. And South Africa, we didn't know what to expect, but they come off to probably their two worst seasons uh, since they came out of isolation. Uh, in in the short space of two games, England have nosedived, and South Africa have have, have risen beautifully and wonderfully and it's been a real privilege I think we both agree to witness but actually how good were they? Very good question and I think first of all they have been down in the dumps they've been terrible but uh, Razi Erasmus has come in he's done two things first of all he's told the South African rugby union where to go with their stupid policy and not picking overseas players when you've got 80 professional players out there Dwayne Vermeulen, uh, Willie LaRue Absolutely magical. Faf de Klerk, also magical. Immediately now they've marched into the World 15 of the moment. So And and he's got a couple more to come back in. Yes. Bismarck Duplessis would have started the last two tests. I mean, there, there are more that he can draw on. And it's it, for me, it's just shown the inspirational effect of one or two major players coming in, which, to heart back, was kind of what Eddie was hoping from Brad Shields. 
Yeah, but but he didn't get. I mean, you know, I mean, I think Willie Derue was always a great player and just needed to come out of himself. But um, Brad Shields probably not. So although it it is early for that, but just the other thing I was going to say was Razia Erasmus. Instead of mucking around bringing in loads of coaches and brain professors and all that sort of thing, he's got down there. He's appealed clearly to their hearts. He's bought into the transformation thing. He's been simple and he's returned the box back to a power game. Now, it, not only a power game, because they did play some delightful rugby, but the pack is, is beasting people like it should, like it did, even without three of the front five. And I think Razzie's come in and he's looked people in the eye and said, no mucking around, no, no gurus, just get back to being box. And to be honest with you, in a year's time, they could be really good. So for me, that's interesting what you just said about the beasting box. Absolutely correct. When Eddie arrived, and I've written this in the paper tomorrow, when Eddie arrived, he said, we're going to build England on their traditional strengths, which is defence, really good set piece, and a scary bunch of forwards. And what we've seen on this tour is some magnificent back play or, or fleeting glimpses of it. But up front, absolute shockingly nothing. A, a, a maul that can't drive forwards and a scrum that goes backwards. The, 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 the mall, to be honest with you, I found humiliating for them because they are meant to be a mauling team. Whenever they went for the mall to put the ball into touch, you think, no, boys, don't do that. Just have a scrum and give it to the backs because the mall was humiliating. South Africa just murdered it. So, you know, he's gone back, honestly, he's gone back on his promises. If you haven't got the raw material, you, you can't do anything about it. But the truth is he left Dan Cole at home, for instance, in the scrum, thinking that maybe out of Harry Williams and Carl Sinclair and putting the pack together, he would get a really good scrum. Well, he hasn't, and it looks like, actually, by not being here, Dan Cole has done more to keep his place than if he, than if he was here. And, you know, it, I, it worries me because I can't see... The development process is not that great. I can't see... Can you see, can you see any great big beasts, a, a Martin Johnson or a Jason Leonard or a Phil Vickery on the on the sidelines anywhere or in the younger teams? You know, unproven, but I, the, the player that I most wanted to come on tour that didn't, I know yours is Don Armand and I'd love to have seen him here, the player that I most wanted to come on tour was Nick Shonnett, the, um, the Worcester Warriors uh, tight head uh, and... God, we could have done with a proper tight head to scrummage for the first part of the games. I, I, I am a, a huge fan of Kyle Sinclair, but he's proven so far on this tour, and he did in the Six Nations as well, that he's great at the finish. He ain't good at the start. Do you know what? I think Nick Shonnett has joined one of those people, uh, those groups of, which include Don Armand and Danny Cipriani, that actually the more we talk about them, the less likely Eddie seems to pick them. I think Shonnett is, 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 is massively rated at Worcester. The people who play Worcester say he's good. He's a great big foundation stone. And to not have him here, was just, just, just don't, do not get it. That, that's a good start to, to what you say as a, as, a, as, a, as a new pack. But you still need more. Jamie George has been reasonable at hooker, but not a massive guy. Surely they can't go back to Dylan Hartley. Marco Vunapola looks absolutely exhausted. But again, if you're going to play Maro Toji in the second row, where is the big beast next to him? It's not Joe Launchbury. Courtney Laws is now a real lightweight. He can't put weight on. There must be, they must go out and get a Dave Atwood type figure. You or, said it. Or even that, Dave Atwood. You, he must be. He, I think he's the man. So, sorry, you, you just said who, who are the big bruisers that aren't here? Well, Shona, I mentioned, and, and Atwood, who, I, I know you're in love with Atwood, and I think he's magnificent as well. And, and he finished the Toulon season really well. He, he'll be under Eddie's nose in Bath the next season, and he's got to come in. 
Well, he's got to. You know, I, 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 I was in love with him, but not anymore because Mrs Atwood was objected to it. <laughs> she didn't like it at all. But um, look, he, he's a big beast. He's good enough for Toulon, and they just they just have forward-dominated teams. He's good enough for them. And I think I think Dave Atwood has had a problem because he's been discarded so many times by England. I think he lost a bit of confidence, but I think he's found it again in the south of France. And again, I, if I can get two big beasts, i put someone like Courtney Laws or, 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 or Maro Toji in the back row just so you have a third man, a third lineup man, a third option, and a third big bugger. Steve, you've been a little bit ageist on this uh, podcast so far. You don't like young people, which is fair enough. Can you make an exception, or would you make an exception for the, 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 the kid who I think should stay, even though he's not really proven it yet, for Tom Curry at seven? Because I, I, don't, I don't honestly see a better answer there yet. And I feel slightly sorry for Eddie in that front because he's, he's tried a number of people and they keep on getting injured. Who, whose fault that is is another master altogether. But I think Tom Curry's been decent enough and they should persevere with him. No. I don't. No, look, I think he's been decent and he's stayed on till the end. He's been really lively. But has he really been anything more than on the frippery of these, mass, these no, massive boosts? But, but you see, the thing is, it comes to a time when you've got to stop looking for someone who's not there. You've got to stop looking for the true open side. Now, I think the nearest they got is Gary Graham and Newcastle Falcons, who had a fantastic game against Leicester Tigers last year. He's the nearest one they got. He should have been on this tour. But if you haven't got one, you've got to pick three big beasts, and instead of getting scrabbling for the ball, you've just got to smash over it. And I think Eddie's now at that stage, whether it's Nathan Hughes or if James Haskell can get fit, truly fit again, whether it's him. The last time they had a good man wearing the seven jersey was Haskell two or three years ago go in Australia and I think Tom Curry might get there but he's tall and lean he's not powerful and I think not yet for, for Tom if you're on a Haskell type then it isn't isn't your man Brad Shields just there he's he, he's he, he does what Haskell does he's just five years younger I'm yet to be convinced. I don't know what you thought of him or how many marks you gave him out of 10, Owen, but... Seven. You give him seven, I give him six or five, I think. Because there was that time when he burst away, you think, come on, mate, you're in the clear here. And he did did this sort of thinking he was David Campisi, but at the age of 96. Look, someone must rate him somewhere, but he's 27. He's never played for the All Blacks till then. Let's see how he goes. No doubt he's tied after the season. But let's see how, he, see how he goes with Wasp. But I think he needs to lose weight and get fitter. Then we'll see. Uh, at this time, I don't see him being better than James Haskell when Haskell is at his best. Steve, we, we just touched upon what, what a, a privilege it has been to be here in South Africa. Uh, what would, um, what, what is, has absolutely stood out for you in these last two tests? Well, first of all, they, they, they call it transformation now. And what's stood out for me, I've been to South Africa loads of times, and I get the impression in the country and in the team and in the stadiums that people are now buying into transformation and the idea of, of, of a non or a team with plenty of players of colour. And I think it was typified yesterday when the Beast brought on his children, one on each shoulder, a little boy, a little girl, to, to mark his 100th cap. And they both had little Springbok jerseys with Beast written on it. And the reception he got in Bloemfontein was something because he's very much an Africana farming area. Uh, that that was a great moment. And, and to see uh, Sia Colise and the Beast singing the anthem, roaring it out 
like the Pumas used to, you know, was was just fantastic. It sort of fuels the team as well, don't you think? I mean, they're, they're feeding off it, so the crowd feed off those sort of moments, like you say, Khaleesi and and, uh, and Matawira singing together, and it felt emotional, and then the crowd love it, and then they give it back to the players, and the players are inspired. I kind of feel that it's, um, it, there's a momentum thing there. But would you say that that was actually the, 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 the musical highlight of, of the uh, test match yesterday, or, or did you quite like that the, the pre-match entertainment was uh, was of a kind. Do you know what? We're in South Africa, the the country of Johnny Clegg, Miriam Makemba, Ladysmith Black Mambazo, uh, Sifo Mabuse, and the unbelievably number of uh, unbelievable number of great rock bands which came out of Soweto and the township township rock. It's called Makamba, the township rock music. Absolutely magnificent. What did we get yesterday? We got Survivor, The Eye of the Tiger, We Are the Champions, B- what was that, Brianna? A bit, Brian Adams. Brian, Brian Adams, he's about 150. And, and just the awful mid-Atlantic banging crap. But, but Steve, I saw you tapping your toes to, um, to Wham. I mean, you, you, you appeared to be enjoying that. No, I wasn't. I was banging my laptop with my head. It was shocking. Do, do you know, it's ear-splitting, but actually someone sitting not far from me, from me, actually holding the microphone, cla- <laughs> claimed to like the stuff where there's a break in play when they go for a scrum and there's ear-splitting American crap played there and then it, while they're waiting for the next play and you said you liked it. No, 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 let's be clear. You, you're, you're, uh, you're libeling me there. No, you- no, no that, is just, that's, that is not feasible. I was so busy with my head in my laptop trying to file a piece for your newspaper. I, I, I possibly couldn't have done that. Well, you, you needed to polish it a bit, obviously, but you, you said you liked that music. Why do you have to, to fill every microsecond between 10 a.m. and the end of the game with head-banging music, especially when you've got delightful South African artists? And uh, just, just, just for, our, for our listeners... Slotty did say he liked those interpolations where you have "We Are the Champions" played. With Sorry, I'm, t- I'm taking I'm taking the microphone away from you, Steve. It's, this is now a one-man show. Uh, while you've been tapping your toes to Wham, Steve, and England have been going backwards, uh, there's been a lot of other decent rugby going on around the world. Ireland are now one all in a really, really gripping series with Australia, which I think is the best rugby I've seen of this summer so far. Uh, Wales are now 2 0 up on Argentina. Uh, France are 2 0 down to the All Blacks, but I think we've seen quite a lot from France to suggest that there's something happening there. It, it, it seems to me that, that while England are uh, in this slow and steady implosion, that almost every other nation is really doing something. I totally agree, and it's so exciting for the World Cup. I mean, incidentally, you did say that about the music. It, 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 it is fantastically exciting. Australia, South Africa, Wales, um, uh, uh, Ireland uh, coming forward, and blimey, you know, USA have just won their first ever game against a t- Tier 1 nation against Scotland, which is just fantastic. Um, Ireland, you know, surely that was an object lesson to England. You go 1-0 one, you go one down make a few changes, you gear yourself up in the right areas, you, you eliminate the mistakes you made in the first test, and you come out and you put Australia to the sword. I thought it was a classic comeback game, and suggest to me, as we said a few weeks ago, Ireland are very, very much in the mix of that top four at the top end of the World Cup. 
again, that's another huge slight on Eddie Jones, isn't it? You, you have an England who underperformed in Ellis Park, but knew if they got things right, then they could do it the second time round. But actually, as you said, they were worse second time round. I mean, again, it, it's just a failure of coaching. It failed coaching, but you know, also performance too. But you know, it, it, what a ch- as you said, they're only one game away from being back on the road. And the way they came out onto the field and sang the anthem, oh God, they are so up for it. But they, 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 they sang. There was no, there was no passion and, le- and electricity throughout the second half. Well, whereas Ireland came out full of almost murderous intent. Something we haven't touched upon is leadership and and captaincy. I wrote a very learned column during last week when I said I thought Owen was the right captain, but he's got quite a lot of improving to do to to, to get there. Ha- having seen that second test, I- I'm slightly doubting that opinion. Uh, he-, he was severely tested. He, he had a-, a poor, poor game as captain. So, question, do you, uh, A, stick with Owen and think he's going to have to learn and he's the man? Do you, B, go home... Uh, presume Dylan's going to be fit again and go back to uh, to what we knew and and question for so long, or do you go somewhere else altogether? Well, let's say first of all, you know, it wasn't the captain of the Titanic's fault whether it's an iceberg, and it's you know if there's a hole in your boat, you're struggling. I do think that probably you know why would you give Dylan fifty odd games and and Owen just Owen Farrell just two? I think if you you've got to stick with him and back with him and, and back him, but I do think Owen. I'm sure you agree. It's not so much the captain on his own, but it's just a failure of leadership throughout the team. I just do not see leaders, I do not see people getting everyone around. I think I think Maru Toji, he's trying, he's been forced to be a leader and he's doing his best. I think he's put him off his game, I think he's become indisciplined. But you know, I, I wish I could say that, you know, yesterday that, uh, you know, Joe Launchbury, Brad Shields, Billy Vanapola, Nathan Hughes, I wish I could say that they look like leaders, or I could see them through the binoculars doing some sort of leadership duty, but I didn't. And this team lacks leaders, and it doesn't matter who's captain. If you're the only voice out there, you're not going to get very far. Why should it be the case that this generation has come through rudderless in this respect? It's not just... You could say, oh, because English players are all developed in academies now, so they're all, uh, they, they lose their personality, uh, but... but that's the same with professional rugby players across the globe. It's no different in England to anywhere else. I think um, that's an interesting point. I think England academies are just that little bit more uh, sort of anodyne, lacking sort of warmth and, and humanity. I think that Irish and Welsh academies, the ones I've seen, do have a little bit more of a, you know, let's leave it to the players. You know, you work this out, you sort this out, you be a leader. And I think, you know, you said, well, it's got to be more than the academies in, in England just coming, bringing out, pushing out gym monkeys and, you know, people who, who can know the playbook off by heart. But I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I think somewhere you've got to go back to basics and, and give people the chance to make up their own minds and be their own leaders. You can't tell someone to be a leader. You can't bring in a professor of brain power and to, to, to get people to be a leader. It's, it's innate. But it's got to start being innate when they go into these academies at 15 and 16. Steve, Wales have gone to Argentina with a, a mixed team, to, to say the, the least. They've won two test matches pretty convincingly. They're coming back with strength and depth. Again, they seem to have done the things that England wanted. Yeah, they have. I mean, I think England wanted to try and win, whereas I think actually Warren Gatland just wanted to to develop his squad and fill out his squad. I think probably he thought, well, we're not going to win every game. For, for a start, that, that's 
point out to everybody back at home that we don't actually see these games because they take place about two or three o'clock in the morning um, in, in South Africa. I haven't actually seen a lot of them at all, just some highlights. But I had no idea what's happened to the Pumas, but Wales are so denuded of players. It is a famous um, triumph for them to, 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 to be, you know, to play 3-1-3. Absolutely tremendous. And I think, I think they got some props coming through, which is absolutely vital. Uh, and then you, when you go back, you add Warburton, you know, Alan Wynne-Jones and, and these guys, Dan Bigger. Jonathan, Jonathan Davis come back in. I just think that Warren Gatland, for everything he gets wrong, he does get World Cups right. And I think they're really looking at uh, having a great squad. Can they get over? The thing is, can they get over this awful hurdle of the autumn where they're always terrible? If they get through that, then they're contenders, just like Ireland, for the semi-finals. Do you think Gatland might have been enjoying a little bit England's uh, travails in South Africa? I tell you what, he's not a bitter guy. He, does, he wouldn't go around sort of attacking people and attacking members of the crowd and all that sort of thing. So, no, I, I, I think he'll be... Warren knows the English players and likes them, and they took him to a great result in, in, in New Zealand. So I think he'd probably be miffed for some of them, but not probably for the Red Rose itself. That um, is nearly the end, the end of, of a famous and a novel, two-handed edition of the Ruck. Uh, let's just finish off with some predictions. England... Uh, against South Africa, third test, the dead rubber. How would you call that? I'd call it this way. If Razzie Erasmus really wants to rub England's noses in it and picks their top team and, and really winds them up, they could really put England away. Luckily for England, I think that he will make changes, give other people a go, bring Andre Oosterhuizen into the centre, who I think is, is going to be a better player than the ones they've got. Uh, maybe give the beast a rest and start uh, Steve uh, Kitschoff. But um, I think that I just don't see where um, England now, denuded by with the loss of Billy Vanapola, could possibly turn the tide because the tide is now really swamping them. I've said the last two weeks I thought England would win it. I thought, I, I've said both times they have the quality and if they have the personality then they can pull it out of the bag and do it. Uh, I'm not going to say it again. I, I think South Africa will win that and I think they'll win it more convincingly than they did yesterday. Yeah, so, so so do I. I. But I would just like, look, people say we're down on England. We just want them to do well and to win. And I just felt sorry for the team yesterday and for Eddie because they just look so distraught and, and everything. I do feel sorry for them and I think they deserve a lift in terms of their morale, not in terms of their class because I don't think they're a very classy team. But with Cipri Cipriani there, and he must be there, maybe he'll give them a lift because someone needs to. I think there is a misconception amongst some of the public that when England start imploding like this and the media have to write about it, that we get some kind of a sordid pleasure out of it, that we kind of enjoy it. So should we just knock that on the head? The greatest pleasure you get from covering the England team, even if you're not English-born or bred or whatever, is when you see a success because it is a real privilege to write about. And this is no fun. No, it's not fun at all. Um, you have to be honest with what you think, because when you stop being honest, as you know, you, you just you've had it. You get, you've got to give up. And we're not fans, and we're not um, fans with typewriters, but or keyboards. But you do want them to win. It gives you a glow. I mean, I never felt so bad, so good in my life as winning the won the World Cup. Not because I was biased, but because we, you, we grew up with those players, and we've grown up with these as well, even though we're now a different age group. And actually, Eddie Jones is a very colourful man. Paul Gustav's a nice man. Steve Borthwick, I'm sure, is a nice man. And and you just want them to do well and put English rugby on the map. And all the all our kids at home and all the kids that I've coached you and, and all the kids we know and all the families and all the rugby lovers and all the volunteers, we want their team to be up there. And they're saying to us, they're, they're, I'm sure they're saying to you as well, they're saying, what's happened? Why has it gone wrong? 
Where, 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 what's the problem? And, and it's so goddamn hard to answer. But the point is, we'd much rather it went right. Uh, and on that positive note, Steve, thanks very much. Thank you uh, to all our listeners for following the RUT. This is the second of three specials out here in South Africa. Uh, there will be one more following the third test next weekend. Thank you for tuning in. Please come back again next week. 